0: Hello Church! Welcome to Sunday Sermons. My name is Pastor Brett, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church. And today's message comes from Matthew, the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 9. This is the transfiguration of our Lord. Jesus Christ takes a few of his disciples up a mountain, and before their very eyes, he is transfigured into something glorious. And I will tell you that this message is a pre-pandemic message that I preached And now I am in a post-pandemic world, and I'm posting this message today because in this sermon I emphasize the importance of being church together, physically, how important it is that we are called to be faith uh, in person together, that Jesus doesn't call us to be people of faith on our couches apart from one another, but God calls us into relationship with one another. Except now we're all isolated. We're all home alone. And, uh, but I'm posting it because I think despite that, the message is still the same. We are called by our Lord to be in relationship with one another, to be in faith of our Lord with one another. And I want to talk about that at the end of this podcast, so listen to the sermon and stay at the end. Here it is, the Gospel of Matthew, the 17th chapter, verses 1-9. through 9. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him, and then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here, if you wish? It is good. And I will make three dwellings here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while Peter was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, church. Our little word game. What do these uh, phrases have in common? Civil war. Paper towel. Old news, a little pregnant, fast food. Ah! What, did you, what were you going to say there? Uh, they're all two syllables. They are, they are two syllables. <laughs> Eighth, two syllables and they're oxymorons. Contradictions. Right, so no war is civil. No war is just. There's no such thing. Uh, paper towel. Old news. You can't really be a little pregnant. I'm learning. Um, fast food is not really food, but it's delicious nonetheless. Um, They all contradict each other. Uh, If I were to add a word to this list, I want to ask you, is this a contradiction? Um, What would you say if I added casual Christian? What would you think about that? Okay. Uh, This gospel today, uh, I think, does two things. Jesus, we're, we're being taught two things from this story of the transfiguration. Uh, We're being taught two lessons. One, what it means to have commitment to beliefs. And two, that those beliefs actually compel us to action. That this story of the transfiguration is more than just Jesus um, dazzling up, you know, in this shiny light. Um... Jesus takes his disciples, a couple of them, up a mountain, and they have this holy experience. Um, he transfigures. And if you were to look that word up in a dictionary, um, it's different than transform. Transform is a total, complete transformation, inside, outside. Transfigure is a, tr- is a change in, in an outward appearance. But... Um, if, if you were to look in the dictionary, there's one more piece to trans uh, transfigure that you could add. And that is to, um, to, the, to be glorified. It's an option under the dictionary. And that's what happens here. So Jesus, um, his outward appearance changes. And he sort of takes on this sort of dazzling complexion. He's shiny and white and like everything just becomes... Sort of sparkly, I, I imagine, and then appears next to him is uh, Moses on one side and Elijah on the other side and and this moment is completely profound though we if you were to just if you were reading like sort of a chapter a day uh, in your Bible, you might sort of just read it and think it 's beautiful and then move on. but in the story of the scripture, this is a profound moment there 's a reason. It's a feast day in the church, and that's partially the reason we would move past it is because we sort of lose the Jewishness of Jesus, being so distant from the past. Um, He's Jewish. He's not Christian. There is no Christian Jewish uh, Christian Jesus. He's not. He's a Jew, and so when he's standing there next to Elijah and next to Moses it would be as if we had encountered Christ himself on the mountain, right? This is, these are two of the most important scriptural figures in the entire Hebrew Bible. And in them, they represent the entire Hebrew Bible, all the law and all the prophets. And now Jesus sort of enthroned with them in this dazzling moment. And... and and then a cloud comes over them, and it doesn't darken the scene, but rather it glorifies the scene. The cloud, it says, shines a light out of it. And a voice of God speaks, and which, by the way, almost n- never happens in Scripture, where, where God, God's self, actually speaks in the presence of mortal beings. God speaks to Jesus And God speaks in the scriptures, but often through messengers, rarely do we get such a profound glimpse of God himself. And says, in front of Peter and John and James, this is my son. Listen to him. And they collapse down, prostrate on the ground, and they want to stay there. They want to build tents to these three people, and, and, and you might think, of course, if you're Jesus, you might want to stay there too because you look to your left, you look to your right, and here you're sort of put on this pedestal with these incredible, important people. You're dazzling white. God is speaking to you, affirming who you are. You have your disciples who are bowing before you. And if you're the disciples, you might want to stay there too. Because you've just been upended from your life. The last couple of years have changed you, some for the better, but also not all of it. They left behind family and friends and jobs and stability, and their life has been chaos. And it's only going to get harder. I mean, what was it in 2012 or 2008, I can't remember, Joe the Plumber, everyone wanted to be Joe the Plumber. These were Joe the Plumbers, right? And now they're, they have literal crowds of people chasing them that constantly these disciples with Jesus are running from them. They'll go and they'll do a healing and they can't get to everyone, they run away! They try and hide because it's too much, it's overwhelming. They they go up a mountain, they go into a boat and cross the sea, and then it says the crowd chase them across the sea to find them. That's their life now. So maybe these disciples wouldn't mind staying here. When Peter says, I'll, Let's stay here, I'll build you a tent, we'll you know, we'll we'll just stay here a little while. But is it the nature of a follower? of Elohim of our God a follower of Christ to worship God alone to stay isolated or what we might say today to say oh I could I could I could believe in God and follow God on my own I don't need to come to church on Sunday morning I don't need to do anything with my faith is that is that the nature of a of a of a, of a believer. It might be the, the it might be part of our uh, natural behavior, but is that the nature of someone who has an encounter, this holy experience when we encounter Jesus? My inclination is to say no. Because here, here's Peter and James and John, they're on their, they're, they're just so overwhelmed by this holiness they're on their knees it says in fear even and jesus taps peter on the shoulder and and peter looks up and all of a sudden it's all gone and jesus is just standing there and 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 peter says get up don't be afraid you know he says basically we got work to do and then verse 9, the end of this transfiguration story, it says, it starts there, it says, and then they go down the mountain. All that talk about staying up here, all that talk about this high, holy moment, all that talk, Jesus doesn't leave it there. Nope. So they go up the mountain, they have this spiritual, holy worship, is what I would call it, experience experience. And then they go down the mountain. And right after verse 9, right after the gospel story, the first thing they do is they go right back to that crowd. Frenzy. It, it literally says a, this, the Greek, almost it looks like this, this hungry crowd that is in such desperate need and they go right back to healing. And there's this is another story of suffering people and healing more suffering and dealing with more suffering and more need and more need and more need and it's exhausting. It's hard work. We were um, some of us were asked we were at Colonial Market yesterday and Steve Gibson was there, Mike Macris and I, a couple other guys, and so if you some of you know if you're from the area it closed, sort of unexpectedly and and so we got the opportunity to take out the perishable items for the food bank. And it was sort of like a, a little bit, it was kind of fun. It was like apocalyptic almost. Like you can imagine you go in there and there's rotting food and stuff, but you get to sort through it. And we and are with, with the health inspector, and she's telling us what we can take and what we can't take and how to tell what's good and what's not good and which fruit is, which fruit is good enough to take and which fruit is on the line and which fruit is definitely garbage and and uh and you know I went to the apples and it's you know how do you tell a rotten apple from a good apple sometimes it's pretty obvious but then I didn't know this you know some of the apples look perfectly good and she comes and she says well you know it's not bruised at all it's not soft she goes but that's you know our next distribution for any of the food that was leaving was February 24th so we needed stuff to last at least till February 24th, she says, but you could tell this apple is not gonna make it. I didn't know how, she said, because feel it. And it was a little sticky. Like, the, it was just starting to get sticky. She said, it, it, like, it's good now, it'd be good tomorrow, but it's just on the cusp of starting to rot. Uh, so I had no clue, you know. So I was learning how to sort through rotten fruit. Do you, do you know how to tell if a kiwi is rotting? I don't know. I asked Steve Gibson. He says, it looks good to me. That's how you tell. Steve, he says, looks good to me, boss. I said, okay. It's good. But so, that, so that's what we did. All, that's what we did all day Friday. And, but, what's that? No, Steve Gibson says it. That's how I decide. No, he, who knows? That's, I don't know. I don't know. Steve says it, that it's good enough for me. How do you tell? Well, Steve says it's good. All right. All right. <laughs> Looks good, boss. All right, fine. But, you know, I think about it. So what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it's simple. I mean, the very basic minimum is you have faith. You put your faith in Christ. And you trust in his promise of mercy and forgiveness. When he says, I forgive you, trust it. Put your faith in him. Okay, that's that's being a Christian. You can do that from bed. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to ever talk to another person in your life. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change your behavior. You don't have to do anything. You, you are a Christian person, saved believer, perfect, fine. You know what it's like? It's like being that apple. That's, you can eat it. It's fine. You know, It passes the test. If we wanted to take them, we could have taken him. The health inspector would have let us take him. But it's, it's right on the line, right? It's like it's good enough. But it's not what it's not is it's not the abundant sort of juicy, delicious fruit that God calls us to be. That's what it's not. Jesus compels us out of faith. He frees us through sort of uh, this forgiveness, through this mercy, through this word that we need grace to go down the mountain. To once we have this holy experience, this encounter with the risen Lord. This encounter with the Holy Spirit, to to get up, to not sit in that, to not dwell in that, but to actually go and be a person of faith in the world, to go do something with it, to go to our neighbor and serve and love them in the name of our God, and and what that is is those are the delicious fruits of faith. James, the epistle uh, at the end of the, at the end of the New Testament, James writes this letter and he says. He says, faith without works, without doing anything with it, it's dead. It's a dead faith. It is what is it? But faith with works, faith with a service, with a heart that, that cares, that that goes out into the world and does something with it, that's a holy and a vibrant and a living thing. That's transformative. That's encountering the holy, living God, and being transformed. Not just seeing a transfigured Christ, but then also being transformed yourself. That's the type of life that satisfies what happened on top of the mountain. Jesus is standing next to the prophet and the law. And Jesus says, what's the most important law? Well, all can be summed up in one. Love God and love neighbor. Love God. That's what Jesus says, and then love neighbor. Well, great. That's that can all be summed up in this this epistle, right? Faith without works is dead. And why is it important? Well, because we have a God who will always show up for us when when we can't figure out what's going on in our in our bodies, when we're when we're sick and ailing, and when and when we're struggling to find answers. When our depression is kicking our butt. When our our addiction is kicking our butt when we're feeling lowly and abandoned and dismissed and broken and when when people have failed us and because people fail us sometimes because we're not perfect when we don't show up for other people when we should have God always shows up always he promises to be there and then God creates this church of believers with the Holy Spirit of other people who have this gift of bearing fruit that show up for us when we need them most. This living faith that cares for us and, and this God who at our weakest came down from heaven, took on a body and jumped on a cross so that he would never be disconnected from us, always be part of us, even through sin and death. That's why it matters. We give God all the glory in all life, and in all death, and in all heaven, for that. It's not about. It's not about fruit. It's about living fruit. It's not about faith. It's about a living faith. It's not about life. It's about a vibrant life. And which we, which are we going to have? God, for all glory. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. And listen, this coronavirus thing is changing our patterns. You might not be able to go to church this week. You might not be able to go to your small group or attend your Bible study, but you will be able to go to church. You will be able to do your small group. You will be able to do Bible study. It's just going to look different. And while we're separated physically, we are together. And we have to be together more than ever. And that's, that's why I posted this podcast, this sermon, this week. Ironically, it says that we can't be church apart from one another, and I think that's true. We just have to connect more intentionally, more this week and in the weeks ahead uh, than we ever have before. So we have to do church. It's going to be online, it's going to be on Zoom meeting, it's going to be different. We have to do our small groups, we have to do Bible study, we have to read our scriptures, we have to pray, we have to connect with people, make phone calls, text people we in our church and in our lives that we wouldn't maybe normally. And the other thing is, and I'm going to plea with you, you need to give, continue giving to your church. Um, continue giving to your nonprofits go find out the way they offer electronic giving mail in your checks because businesses and especially nonprofits are gonna are really gonna feel this and above all if you're in a position that you need ask for help you're not in this alone and check back here um, We're going to be experimenting with some things on this podcast, um, daily breakfast devotionals that you can listen to with your family and other things um, to supplement our distance from one another. But until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And as always, may the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. God bless you.